We have developed speed, but we have shut ourselves in. Machinery that gives abundance has left us in want. We think too much and feel too little. More than machinery, we need humanity. We know the air is unfit to breathe and our food is unfit to eat, as if that's the way it's supposed to be. We know things are bad, worse than bad. They're crazy. I'm a human being! God damn it! My life has value! You have meddled of the primal forces of nature! Don't give yourselves to brutes. Men who despise you, enslave you, who regiment your lives, tell you what to do, what to think, or what to feel, who drill you, diet you, treat you like cattle, use you as cannon fodder. Don't give yourselves to these unnatural men, machine men, with machine minds and machine hearts. <laughs> Jason Hermes. And who loves you? And who do you love? Woo! It is Reality Rants. I am Jason Burmes. A lot going on today. We're going to be talking about the Federal Reserve, uh, especially because this banking thing's not going anywhere. It's, it's just pushing us further and further down the line into a track trace database digital currency system one way or another where the vast majority of us the slaves the proletariat the plebs the serfs are on a digital dole out ubi system think about how many people right now in this country already have a magic ebt card now back in the Dizay. Uh, and, and believe me, th this was not perfect. These were the steps they had to take you along to get you to accept these types of social control. But when you were on, if you're as old as me, if you got some grays in your beard, you may remember it. If you were in the welfare system, you had a thing called food stamps. And it was a very visual thing that you had to use these. You got a, It was almost like a coupon book full of different types of money. Now, there, there would be people that would sell their food stamps for actual money because there was only certain things you could get with the food stamps. It, it was a, you know, what? first of all, there is no perfect welfare system. Re really, back in the day, one of the things that was appealing about Clinton, in fact, if you can remember that long, I remember it, was the, the talk of not, welfare but workfare right and and michael moore also tried to uh push that idea but then when it came into practice it was like well they're making almost the same amount of money doing nothing right and that's the mindset unfortunately they want to keep you in to get you in on the i'm on the dole welfare slave system because if you're on the dole then you got to jump through hoops or you don't get that scratch 
you don't get that cheese. Okay. And that's a, it's a big thing. There's a lot of people out there that are, are going to take the path of least resistance. Unfortunately, a lot of people that are beaten down, a lot of people saying, why not? They already have people that want to take advantage of these systems. Right? So kind of the theme of the show today is the post-truth world the unreality inversion of truth that we all live in and as i said we're going to talk about the federal reserve but i've also got some operation paperclip for you i've got some fort detrick and bio warfare as well as kind of the propaganda angle of that for you the sustainable clean energy lie for you and even a little transgenics and human experimentation uh, for everybody via unzipped genes. Because when you look at this thing, you have to ask yourself, do you really believe that science has not progressed? Did you not heed the warnings of Dwight Eisenhower, a guy at the time who who in the circles he was in had seen more than the vast majority of us could ever imagine to see behind the scenes period that that was the the generational world war ii guy a guy that was going to bohemian grove okay and i think in essence if you look at what was developed around that time the idea that we need to keep things from the president. The idea of born classified. All right. And that that idea is a dangerous one because it's taken us down this road where in this country we don't have a constitutional republic. Uh, democracy is just a word when you can't audit things, when it's not one person, one vote, when you again have a digital slave system. Think about that parallel of they want you on a digital voting system and they want you on a digital currency system. Why? Because digital manipulation is much easier and it's harder for most to understand because even though they use the old boxy boxy to scrolly scrolly, they have no idea how that thing works. Um, the vast majority don't know how to program for it, especially. Uh, there's not a lot of tinkerers out there in the general populace, right? There's the jailbreakers. Like, that's about as far as I would go, some command prompts in a jailbreak situation. I'm not sitting there and trying to uh, look for the exploits in and out. So that's a, that's a really good example, okay? So... I'm not making any accusations about any companies because we've been talking uh, about the voting system and how we need to really have what? Uh, election reform, period. If we keep the same systems in place, we're going to keep getting the same results no matter what the people want, period. That, that's that's what I'm saying. It doesn't matter who's running it. doesn't matter if it's Diebold back in the day or someone that starts with a D now. doesn't matter. So every time an iDevice comes out or a very, very popular Android device, there's two things that happen. There's an um, jailbreak 
for the iDevice. And then there's a way to root. Some, some allow you to root right out of the gates, but some, a lot of them now you got to go through a whole bunch of stuff and, and root the device. Now, what does this initially get you access to? This gets you access to the back end and homebrew software, et cetera. iCloud, which is a service that locks your phone. Okay. I, I believe it's now been around for over a decade. I don't think anyone's cracked iCloud. Nobody. And that would be a lucrative business. I, I believe there is with certain equipment, um, certain ways that you can absolutely, you know, uh, get rid of the iCloud lock. But as far as I know, there's no software out there for guys like me to download that after all these years. And just to find that exploit, there are teams of people in the underground to get in on a jailbreak. And they have to have all they have to have access to the device, obviously. Now now ask yourself, does the general public have access to devices that are used for voting? That's a big no sauce. That's a big no, 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 no. Is there a random audit of these things, even to the tune of 3%, which Jimmy Carter himself, when he and Baker had their little uh, commission and wrote their paper up on it, said, no, 3%. First of all, one in 10 bare minimum, 10%. I'd like to see one in three, 33, you know, one in three of these things is going to be audited. In every building, by the way, that's what I, that's, that's how I do it. One third at least. And boy, oh boy, if you catch enough uh, anomalies, right? Because this whole thing that's going to a circus show with Trump, he gave his message yesterday. We'll talk about that. It looks like he could be arrested as early as tomorrow. A lot of people were saying Tuesday. Seems the lawyers are working out. We'll show you that the Pelosi and husband have made it over to New York City so they can grandstand as soon as they put Trump in jail. Like this is it's a weird time in history, folks. It's the, it's the inversion of reality. And, and look, Trump's not perfect. I, mean, I, I keep saying it, but look what they got him on. It's, it's, out, of the, it's out of control. Out of control. We're going to get to Bynes, who's the um, person in the upside down. Uh, a bit down the line, but it is reality rants, and we're going to get to the clips too. But we we got you know almost two hours to film. And yesterday, I went on the T Lab, the last American Vagabond uh, fun drive. He did it from noon to five Eastern, I believe. Uh, All star cast over there. Even when when I was there, I was very lucky to sit down with uh, Johnny Vedmore and Taylor Hudak and Steve from Slow Newsday, et cetera. And uh, by the way, we're going to bring in uh, Andrew from Action for Assange for about 15, 20 minutes, maybe a little bit more in about 20 minutes on this program too. So, you, I mean, you might want to be on the premium end for some of these clips because they're big time, big time clips. Anyway, I went on this show uh, and I believe Dana Rancourt, uh, was one of the people on there. And th there's a lot to be said about Rancourt and his work. And, you know, he's done some good stuff. I think he's an intelligent guy. And he was happy. And, th and this is where um, I would both agree with him 
And by the way, Ricky Verandas of the Union of the Unwanted and the Ripple Effect podcast, he was there. Whitney Webb was there before. It, it's a great show. And, and, and they were doing raffles. They were doing all sorts of fun stuff. Rebunked. Uh, Courtney Turner, she texted me. I need to text her back um, and see, see if I can go do this event. I, I'm not really sure what my schedule is. However, uh, Rancourt was talking about China, okay? And, and he was, first of all, he said he was happy that there weren't a lot of people that were kind of China-phobes and blaming everything on China, 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 and trying to push us into World War III. We got enough of that right now. I, I got a story today where we got a couple of B-52s with the old nuclear weapons on them being intercepted by a Russian jet. We're poking some bears. When I say we, it ain't me, it ain't you. It's it's the uh, military-industrial complex uh, nation-state apparatus. Certainly not. Joe Biden's not making these decisions. He's got no idea what's going on. And is it Christmas yet? I'll tell you, buddy. Corn popping Christmas. So, you know, where I, I'd say I agree with Rancor, as you guys all know, is I constantly talk about how we're not at war with the Chinese people. We shouldn't even consider that, uh, seeing there are 1.2 trillion of them. But the conversation kind of arose where... We, uh, I actually had said something about the fourth industrial revolution and this whole idea of the COVID-1984 nightmare just engulfing society and how there was really nowhere to run. And it just shows you there is no escape plan from this. We're going to have to fight this. There is nowhere to go. Um, and I made that point. And he, he had come back and kind of said, well, I would disagree with that. I would say that, you know, the, he, he specifically said creative people um, might want to consider Russia or China. Now, first of all, I've never been to China. I've never been to Russia. Uh, I, I do, you know, for instance, Fiorella, one, uh, one half, one part of the Convo couch with Craig Pastajardula, also on the stream um, with T-Lab. They're over there right now, and I think there are a lot of misconceptions about what it's like to live in Russia. We are just so, um, I, I guess you could say a mix of ethnocentric and jingoistic in our culture, and we're raised that way. And, and so many people just have blinders on via what they see on the television and movies and then the news as the ultimate reality. That's not reality. So in China in particular, uh, there is this idea of a day-to-day -day authoritarian police state. And I, I would agree, in, in fact, with Rancourt, that's really not, again, 1.2 trillion people. And from what I understand from talking to people that have actually spent time there, uh, I'll go all the way back to pre-2010. So now we're talking about uh, 13 years ago. He said, look, where I was, crime was really rampant and that you were more likely to some, come to crime because the police really didn't want to do anything. Yeah, I mean, you ultimately had to prove on the spot that somebody else took something from you. And if you didn't have the evidence, they just keep it. Like, you know how you always hear like possession is nine tenths of the law here and all that other stuff. He said, 
you know, on top of that, the regulatory thing on uh, businesses, this is something that Rancor talked about. It's very easy to start a business there and there's little to no regulation to get you going. He's right about that. Okay. But I discussed how the model, first of all, he didn't really have an answer for me when I said, look, do you really think that Russia and China in particular, like you said, these people adopt technologies? I, I, I know there won't be a pushback on a CBDC type system or a digital currency blockchain system based in carbon credits and a social credit score. But do you even think they're going to push back on transhumanism? You know, that, that I, I think that's a very uh, good question to ask. And, you know, he, he they're not. I, I see them being some of the biggest proponents of uh, the transhumanist nightmare, right? Like that's that's what I see. I, I, I see them easily, easily getting their population to go along with it. That's that's spooky and scary. And, it, you know, it's not a place to go. And he, he backed off a little bit. But then there was another instance where, you know, he was talking about geopolitics ruling. And I don't necessarily disagree with that statement, but I think that you can, you, you, you know, he said billionaires don't matter. Billionaires can be replaced. And I agree in theory. Uh, the idea that there are certain, um, excuse me, billionaires, which absolutely could be burned, right? Not a problem. And, and what do I mean by that? Well, like you don't really need Jeff Bezos. Okay. Jeff, Jeff Bezos is upper management. But Amazon's going to be around. The infrastructure that Bezos has built, you know, not not a big deal. Like when we can get somebody else to front and run that. Even Bill Gates, who's uh, very much one of these social climbers, uh, one of these guys that has promoted for them their agenda of sustainability and equity and biomedical fascism, you know, and, and eugenics not only within the human species which you better believe it you better believe it but eugenics via genetically modified organisms in nature in our food and beyond again alarming alarming but they burn that guy he's totally and completely burnable let me see we're gonna just find Andrew over here, and hopefully he's going to be joining us in the next 18 minutes. There he is right there, Andrew Smith from uh, Action for Assange. He's going to be joining us uh, about East uh, Palestine and Ohio and what's going on there. He lives in Ohio outside of Cleveland, and uh, I can't wait to uh, have this discussion with him because that, again, just shows you how much disdain they have for the public how we truly do live in the upside down. Uh, and I guess before you know we get to him, this is a good time to cut into Amanda Bynes. Inside Amanda Bynes' sad spiral from team rom-com rom queen to psychi psychiatric hold. Okay, now they found her apparently roaming the streets naked and alone. Um, you've seen the substance abuse, the conservatorship, and the mental illness. Now, why, why am I bringing this? Why is that a big thing for me? Because constantly I talk about how this Holly weird system 
abuses children. And think about it when you're a kid. When you're a kid, especially, you fantasize of being a childhood actor or a movie star, right? Because it is aggrandized to such a level where on the outside of that, you see the fortune, the cars, the women or the guys that are around afterwards, the smiles and the makeup and the award shows and the crap. You see all this good stuff. Wow. You see them on beaches. You see them at parties. Just it looks like the lifestyle. Okay. So many of these people are broken. You're, you're, it's another one of those careers where you've you've chosen a certain embedding of lies. Just a, a teeny smidge more of lies all the time. It's not maybe maybe it's not lawyer lies, right? You're you're playing pretending, but you are pretending. Yeah, that's why it's acting. You're playing, and. To get your kid involved in this industry is, to me, so wild and so insane. And when I hear when I hear this stuff from my nieces, right? Because yeah, it's inevitable. You're going to hear kids talk about it, just like you're going to hear them talk about when they're a kid how they want to be a princess. And, I, and you know how I feel about those royal bloodlines. That whole, you know. <laughs> nepotistic rule by bloodlines. I'm not a big fan of it, everybody. I think it's bad news. But you're going to have those conversations. And I say to them, look, a lot of those people, especially that get involved in childhood, are very unhappy. It's not what you think it is. And I often talk about this. I can't imagine not being able to just go to the store and be left alone for the most part. Every once in a while, somebody comes up to me and says hello, and you know, it's usually a very positive experience. But all the time, to the point where you've got to wear a disguise, that's obnoxious. I, I mean, how much validation do you really need? And I struggle with it because I, I love entertainment. Uh, I'm a big fan of stand-up comedy, for instance, right? Uh, I'm a big fan of going to concerts, and uh, you, you know, that's really two of the things that can rival just movie stars or acting and being that type of public figure. I think we all do to a certain extent, but not for me. And I also approach it and I understand that, that these people are people too. At the same time, a, a lot of them get burnt out on, on this abuse and binds. All I'm going to say about binds is that Vines made some pretty, pretty big accusations involving her being abused as a child that have been largely ignored. And that if you look at the entertainment industry for children, and especially Nickelodeon and Schneider's Bakery, Schneider's Bakery in particular, you're real. You're gonna find dark stuff, and and when you find this dark stuff, you ask yourself, why hasn't anybody been arrested? 
Why is this allowed to go on? Why are we in what seems to be the dark clown show, the circus? Because that's what it feels like to me, everybody. A, a, a true dark clown show. So I want to go over this story here because this, again, this shows you that, and this Fort Detrick reel that I want to play from back in the day, it should let you know that propaganda has been used against the people for some time. It's gotten a bit more sophisticated. I believe that now it's the global population that is truly under attack. It doesn't matter who you are. And that's changed the game somewhat. Okay, but in large part, that that's about it. That's really the only game changing. Okay? It's a, and it's a small part of it. So a woman who was sexually assaulted at age 13 at the hands of a rowing coach, 40, now names the attacker as Olympic legend Ted Nash, whose abuse was retold in Emmy-nominated film The Tale. I haven't seen The Tale. Uh, Again, this is kind of how I think it's important to have entertainment, to tell stories like this one, because it conveys so much more, unfortunately, um, than a documentary can in most cases. So... Basically, you know, this woman's tale is a pretty familiar one. When you find out about these monsters, these people put them in positions of authority and mentorship and then groom the children. Okay. These young girls, she wasn't the only one. That's, you know, another factor in a lot of this. They're obviously doing it on purpose to see how many of these children they can abuse okay period that's school teachers when they get caught okay it's not just one so uh directors when they get caught it's not just one a a mr i mean weinstein everybody's been above age but not everybody who's accused him he's only lost in court there And let me say this, just because um, you haven't been convicted of a crime in court doesn't mean you're not guilty. I think that's pretty, hey, how many crimes did Jimmy Seville get convicted of in court? How about Ted Heath? Whole bunch of them? How How many times did Dennis Hassert get convicted in court of molesting children. That's a big zero. It's a goose egg. Did it happen? I don't know. A judge labeled him in a courtroom a serial child molester. You got to love how, again, the Department of Justice is so concerned with nobody's above the law of going after Donnie T for paying off a high-profile porn star and hooker after having sex with her, them agreeing not to talk about it, them not talking about it, it being in the public arena now, uh, I think for the better part of eight years, and now they're going to try to parade him out in cuffs with something that wouldn't even be a misdemeanor, which they're trying to construe as some kind of campaign contribution. 
what? And you think that I'm selling you on this on some kind of contrived look. We don't really know what the charges are going to be yet because the indictment hasn't dropped. All right. And we can only speculate as to the amount of imagination land that's going to be put forth on this. But it's plenty. It's a lot. So it's so much imagination land as we live in the upside down that why don't we just have imagination land actors come come in and talk about mental health? Okay. Now, I don't know what Ted is Ted Lasso about someone who's mentally ill. I, I guess Ted Lasso is Jason Sudeikis. Guys, I'm not hip or with it. I don't watch it any kind. Of, is, is, is this a Hulu original? What's going on? No clue what's going on. Okay. It's it's one of those things just like, what in the world? So you you have the African reporter who's, you know, amazing. Being like, what is this? And trying to get some real questions in. And they just, they pounce on them. You know, but why in the world are we having a bunch of actors up there? You know, Olivia Wilde, people have been pointing this out, and I'm not trying to shit on anybody and their relationships. But when we talk about mental illness, okay, why are we listening to actors, many of whom are on therapist three, four, five, are on medication six, seven, eight? As I was stating before, a lot of these people are, guess what? broken people they're they're broken people i mean that's it it's who they are i i wish they weren't i, I really do i I'm, it's it's they're chameleons as well they, they're i mean they're so close to what you're getting with uh the pelosi and the gang because i mean look at pelosi i mean a lot of people say that politics is hollywood for ugly people but look at that look at that thing look at those boots everybody wants to pick on desantis's boots come on come on this is how hip or with it i am what are those and i didn't know that's like something people were talking about 10 years ago pointing at your shoes and those i mean and I, I, I wasn't hip to that then. That's what we're going after him for. There's Mr. Pelos, the Peloser, Nancy and Mr. Pelos. What's it, Paul? Paul Pelosi? Yeah, Paul. Nancy and Paul. So that shows you it's real. You know she can't wait to get up there uh, with Chucky Schumer and the gang. It's, it, with, with, without a doubt. And says this is what they want. <laughs> what has happened? What has happened to this crazy, mixed-up world that we live in? Because it's crazy. And oh yeah, that's right. We're in the post-truth world. You better believe it. We're in the post-truth world. They're gonna, they're gonna get them. And here he is. Trump launches blistering attack on the stormy horse-faced Daniels extortion plot and condemns horrible radical left Democrat probes ahead of arrest on Wednesday at the earliest. The city ramps up for security uh, security for protests. I mean, do they want to start a riot in New York City? Do they want to, like, it, it's pretty wild. 
So, I mean, we, I guess we could find the video somewhere. It's got to be like on Truth Social, right? Here it is right here. Let's listen to a little Donnie T. While we wait for Andrew, let's see. Um, wait, I, I sent on Twitter. Oh, see, there we go. So hopefully we're going to have him in a moment. Um, let's let's see what uh, Donnie T had to say right here. Let's let's block Truth Social. These four horrible radical left Democrat investigations of your all-time favorite president, me, is just a continuation of the most disgusting witch hunt in the history of our country. It's gone on forever with Russia, 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 and Ukraine, 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 and the Mueller hoax. It's an absolute disgrace what's going on. They even spied on my campaign. And remember this, with all of the work that they did on Mueller, no collusion. That's what the answer was, was all no collusion. Whether it's the Mar-a-Lago raid or the unselect committee hoax, the perfect Georgia phone call, it was absolutely perfect. Or the Stormy Horseface Daniels extortion plot. They're all sick and it's fake news. Our enemies are desperate to stop us because they know that we are the only ones who can stop them. And they know it very strongly. And they're looking at the polls where not me, but we are up by so much. They can't even believe it. We won twice and now we've got to win a third time. They know that we can defeat them. They know that we will defeat them, but they're not coming after me. They're coming after you. I'm just standing in their way and I always will. It's a lot of orange. There we go. Here's our boy. Let's bring that right down to there and admit. He is an activist. He is with Action for Assange, but he also happens to be in Cleveland, Ohio. And uh, obviously, East Palestine, uh, you know, in the vicinity there, uh, you know, first of all, Andrew, for my for my audience that's not aware of you, tell them a little bit about your activism. And then ba basically, you're at work. You've been trying to shine some light on this situation that got a little bit of media press in the beginning, but now that's dying off. And, and a lot of what's actually happening has now been forgotten or continues to be obfuscated. So let my audience know who you are, what you're up to, and, and why this matters. Well, I really appreciate you having me on, first of all. I miss you, buddy. Um, well, my name is Andrew Smith. Um, back in 2019, when Julian Assange was. Um, arrested from the Ecuadorian embassy and taken to Belmarsh prison. Um, my friends and I decided to start organizing um, because what else can you do from America to fight back from this? Um, we managed to get uh, 82 or 83 countries involved with um, 170 some protests around the world um, at the peak. Um, and we're still going. We have another event that we're playing in April 11th. Um, I'm less involved now just because of like medical stuff with my children and things like that. Uh, but, but yeah, it's, uh, it's been a crazy year. Um, two years ago, I think I actually made it on Tucker Carlson back in 2021. I don't know why they let me go on there, but, uh, it was really, it was a lot of fun. So 
look, we, we've been covering the Assange case. Some of the mainstream journalists here are starting to pick up on it. Obviously, we have the Twitter files, yet there's not a wiki, uh, there's not a WikiLeaks type dump. These are the things that we've been calling mm -hmm. for. And, you know, to kind of go into East Palestine, I feel like that's what we need right now is a WikiLeaks style dump of all the communications of all those that made this decision to blow up this train after a derailment that had been stabilized and essentially poison what I believe will amount to not just thousands of people, not just tens of thousands of people, but hundreds of thousands of people and possibly millions. Would you say that's a correct assessment? Absolutely. I think, uh, so if you look at where it exploded, right, you have Ohio, this little weird heart-shaped state, Youngstown's here, and then you have uh, East Palestine immediately below it, about 15 minutes south. Well, what they don't show you is that 30 minutes to the southeast of East Palestine is Pittsburgh, literal Pittsburgh. And they were waiting till the wind was blowing southeast to blow up the train. That's literally what Mike DeWine explained when he uh, gave a press conference about it. Um, so I think that is in and of itself a tragedy that they allowed that to happen. Um, and then here in my community, um, just outside of Cleveland, um, it's probably about a 20 minute drive from my house to Cleveland to get here. Um, it's, uh, they've shipped 500 tons of waste from East Palestine, um, to Grafton, Ohio, um, which is just South of the city, South of me. Um, and they've been started burning it, which in and of itself is a problem, um, a lot of some of the locals are like, oh, no, the company that's doing it, they're a good, trustworthy family company. They've been here however long. But I, I want to stop the burn. But the method that I see to do that is to get the public engaged in the other part of what Ross is trying to do, which is they're trying to build what they're referring to as a monofill. Um, it's essentially a toxic chemical heavy metal landfill. Um, it's going to be 200 acres. Um, on the literal edge of farm country in the northern part of the state and it is about a mile from the black river and about a quarter mile from the community's entire school campus elementary school junior high high school and uh so i found out about a week and a half ago um or two weeks ago from my friend who lives in the area that was like hey i really need help with this i don't know what we're gonna do um the township that it's being built in um the they meet in a building that was donated by the same corporation that's trying to build the landfill and one of the members of the board of directors for ross sits on the rezoning commission in eaton township and gets to vote if his company is getting this landfill or not so I'm, i've been uh distributing flyers going crazy doing that for the last while to try to pull people there as a as a way to start by resisting the landfill and then turning it into fighting the um, incineration of this waste itself. Scary stuff. I mean, when you say a quarter mile away from the school, let me, let me try to explain what that means to people that may be a little bit slow. That's the track that they make you around around four times, straightened out once. From the yep, school. You, can, you can literally take a left off of the road that the incinerator's on, go through one small town traffic light, and immediately take a right near at the schools. I it's don't the, have much of an arm left, but I could toss a baseball back in my day, and it would not be 
hard for me to throw a baseball from the school into yeah. the dump site. That and yeah, I, no, you can you can literally sit in the parking lot and watch the the steam stack just blowing the chemicals out of the top. But so can I share? I'm gonna try to find uh, one of the images because it's it got. I think it's fun in a really messed up kind of way because the best we can do right now is laugh. Mm -hmm. um, but, I think uh, it's dark because we're talking uh, about our sheriff's department here. And our sheriff's yeah. department is the one that's really supposed to be accountable to the people. You know, th this is these are the elected officials that you want on your side that should be standing arm in arm with you, um, not only protesting that this will happen, but saying not in our town. You know, you know, standing up for the people's rights to be, I don't know, healthy for their children, not to be uh, literally poisoned, Andrew. So so set this up before you. All right. Now you've got it coming up. Uh, set this up right now. Tell my audience about this. So so I made some clever little posters, right? Just very simple little um, posters. Your attendance is wanted April 11th. Let me full screen it on my side. Your attendance is wanted April or March 22nd. Um, to turn out to the city council meeting. Um, I put the faces of the board members on the flyers, I, which is publicly available from their website. It's their images they provide, their names, no identifying information outside of their names and positions, which one Google search reveals, right? And it says, Ross Environmental Services Vice President is wanted for the degradation of property values and public health in Lorain County. He serves as a member of a small board of bandits burning 500 plus tons of toxic waste from East Palestine from the East Palestine crash just outside of Grafton. Um, once in the soil, air, and water, these forever chemicals are known um, to cause horrible birth defects and long-term health issues in humans. Um, the same corporation is now trying to rezone 200 plus acres in Eaton Township to a heavy industrial to heavy industrial in order to build a forever chemical landfill. Speak up, March 22nd, 7 p.m. Right. So I get yesterday a knock on my door after passing out a couple thousand of these flyers from my local sheriff's department that the CEOs, I don't know how well you can see that. Yeah, we can see it. Company are shook and have filed a restraining order against me. So if I go to the meeting on Wednesday, which I'm going to, then there's a very likely chance, even though this hasn't been fully served to me, that I'm going to be uh, detained when I go. So let's talk about this. Let, let's start right now. These people are public figures, correct? Correct. They are. All of the imagery has been from there, provided by them on their website. Okay. So we have public figures. We have publicly provided photographs. Okay. We have a catchy poster of you trying to get people in attendance to challenge these people. You have literally called for no violence against them. You do not have a violent history of any type of assaults, etc. And yet you were just served with a restraining order, basically trying to cripple your First Amendment because your activism is effective, Andrew. Yeah. Well, well, to be fair, I did tell the townspeople to arm themselves and that it was a damn shame there were so many young men without rifles. Right. So I did, I did, I will give them that, but only one of the people on this order were there when I said that. And this order does not include all 
nine of the board of directors from Ross. And all I did was say, hey, I'm using my First Amendment to tell you to use your second. It's an open carry state, mm -hmm. right? Like we went to the RN, people went to the RNC with rifles on their back back in 2016. Like it's an open carry state here in Ohio. So I could see, I could see that mildly, but only one of those people of the five listed here were actually in attendance when I said those things. Mm -hmm. So I don't know, I don't know how far that would apply but I feel like they might be able to misconstrue that or construe it in a way that is uh, applicable to this. So I, I don't want to say that I'm completely blameless because there is a there is an article in the newspaper about me getting pulled out shouting about class warfare from the last meeting. Uh -huh. um, so I'm not a, I'm not the best lamb in this whole situation, but uh, but uh, um, I, I don't ever plan on hurting anyone or provoking violence. It is to provoke thought from the community because it's it's everyone here that's being poisoned and the sheriffs would rather come after me for informing people than to stop the people that are burning fucking forever chemicals yeah exactly and that's the, the the craziest thing because look this can is i can i uh yeah, bridge this to something though because there's a larger there's a larger thing at play here that i see right so the epa has an organization um within it that tests the soil and ground right? That's a very normal thing that people think the EPA does. But that organization possesses the legal authority to seize houses, properties, and prevent farmers from farming um, because of dioxins, because of essentially plastic and chemical residue in the ground at um, one part per billion. Um, and they can cease farming activity at 0.5 parts per billion. Um, so what I'm worried about, like, yes, I'm worried about the immediate threat to the water and the air um, with them burning these chemicals, the long-term threat to the Black River and Lake Erie um, with them burying the chemicals, but also the threat to the, to the public's property, right? Because the EPA can come in a year and a half, two years from now when another crazy thing happens somewhere and say, oh, we found dioxin in your soil. You can't grow food here anymore, sir. We found dioxin in your soil your house can no longer be here, sir, and can literally by force of the federal government remove people. And you have Bill Gates, one of the biggest vaccine donors, buying up all of the farmland. So the EPA is essentially setting the stage to be able to come in and evict all of these small local residential farmers um, to, to try to centralize that here in the United States. At least that's what I think. That's why more than anything, that's why I'm so passionate about this is because um, the EPA, I believe, in the future is going to try to seize property with the, the excess rights that they have, because we've already heard CNN talk about the, the fact that they're going to hype the climate fears next and like all of these other pieces that they're trying to put into place to be able to take from us, the public, what is rightfully ours, which is the property that we own. So let's talk about that. You think this is actually, uh, in essence, a long play at backdoor eminent domain to yes. um, stop a lot of, I would say, the East Coast production. Uh, because although you're in the Midwest, uh, Ohio largely serves the New York uh, area. You know, Pennsylvania and Ohio are big for agriculture in that area uh, in the Northeast. That would be a huge play. And basically, you're saying that at some point, could be five years down the line, could be 10 years down the line, who knows, but they'll step in and say, not only is the soil unfit for food, 
but your home is no longer uh, fit to be lived in. Uh, this is what we're offering you. It's a take it or leave it scenario or take it or take it really, because yeah. when it gets, comes to take eminent domain, yeah, you can't, you can't really challenge it. And essentially you think that uh, these uh, communities will end up being bulldozed and part of a, a sustainability project. And, and, uh, and this same company that's burning the chemicals right now, that's building the landfill will be contracted to burn every one of these people's houses, right? when the, the EPA steps in. So uh, that's that's my larger concern. Um, and and it takes steps to get there. It takes steps to organize the community to, to actually be able, and the public to be able to recognize and defend it. Um, but I'll share some videos with you privately about uh, the organization and things like that within the EPA, because it's it has its own acronym. I can't, I'm terrible with names. I can't remember what it's called, mm -hmm. but it's uh, it's pretty horrifying that they're able to do this. I want to talk to you about this landfill really quickly because the thing is, number one, a regular landfill is going to get into the soil, into the waterways, into the ecosystem. And that's mm -hmm. why most landfills are somewhat isolated from communities. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, I, usually you've got a good mile barrier, even of the poorest of poor neighborhoods when you have that. And in order to qualify for a landfill, certain things are, are supposed to be put into place. But with the gravity of the situation and how quickly it's moved, I don't see those regulations going into place. We've talked about the school, but the community's right there. And this isn't just a regular landfill. Yeah, let's no. let's let, let's let's reiterate that. As bad as a regular landfill would be. Um, this is probably to the magnitude, and I'm not, this isn't hyperbolic, hundreds to thousands of times worse, correct? Yeah, absolutely. And it's going to be over the course of 200 acres, 200, I think it's like 243 acres total. And they're saying that they're going to use clay and two plastic tarps. That's their, that's their way to stop it from bleeding out into the water is Oh, the plastic tarps. Yeah, yeah, listen, I work with plastic tarps. They're kind of like Superman's tarps. cape. It's like, it's like double mask. <laughs> you know, you got to put two and we're good. This is insane. It's, uh, it's painful. It's horrifying out here. Andrew, I know you're at work, um, so I know you got limited time. Wrap it up. Let people know how they can support you. Um, maybe they need to call the sheriff's office. Maybe they need to show up if they're in your area and oppose this. Maybe they need to get uh, their communities involved so they can come to your aid. Tell us about it. So um, if you're in the Ohio area and you can make it on March 22nd at 7 p.m. Um, and uh, it's on Avon Belden Road in Grafton. Um, if you Google Eaton Township Hall, it'll come up. Um, but I don't need any monetary support, anything like that. Um, the thing that I hope or need in a way for people to do is just be involved in your community, figure out what's going on because this isn't just Ohio. Ross has actually received less waste than most other facilities have, right? You have facilities in Michigan that have received over 2000 tons of waste. Um, Minnesota's receiving waste. Our friend, Emma, um, had reached out to me and mentioned that they're burning waste up by her. Um, they're sending the polluted water down to Texas and injecting it into old fracking pits. And that's going to turn out real well for the groundwater out there. Um, so do what you can in your city, figure out if anything like this is happening or 
whatever the issue is you care about. Um, just do do whatever you can with the, the time and money that you have. Andrew, keep your head up, keep doing what you're doing. And uh, I got to have you on in the uh, near future to talk about the developments with Julian Assange, uh, the mm -hmm. case here in the United States that just keeps pushing forward and forward and forward. Uh, the, the inexcusable way the vast majority of the media has treated this and a host of other free speech issues. A pleasure as always, my friend. I appreciate you, buddy. Have a good day. Yes, you too. So there he is, Andrew Smith of Action for Assange, killing it as always, doing his thing, and uh, really set an example, in my opinion, uh, for for people even like myself to get out there and, and act like you can make a difference because you can make a difference. All right. Well, I guess we're only going to have time for one video here on the uh, free portion of the broadcast, although you can listen to the whole thing for free every day live over at the infowarrior.podbean.com and then the mp3 is always up there however ten dollars a month ten dollars a month ten dollars a month or start with a week for a buck that's how you support the broadcast we got a ton of videos uh to go over so this will be a fun one to watch you can listen to it but don't you want to see the face of G. Edward Griffin when we play him. You'll get a little sampler. Don't you want to see the propaganda of Fort Detrick for yourself? You'll be able to hear it. Don't get me wrong. But then every two weeks, uh, we release the premium portion of the broadcast for free anyway. But redvoicemedia.com slash uncensored, redvoicemedia.com slash Jason. That's how you sign up. That's how you support the broadcast. All right, let's let's uh, talk about this quick because this this is a real big deal to me. Again, I'm, I'm trying not to be poking any bears, but we're poking them. SU-35 fighter jet intercepts two UB-52s. Oh, the nuclear bombers. Can we stop already? Can we, we stop acting like any of this is normal or good? It's not. Did Ukraine blow up the Nord Stream? Come on. Oh, wait, wait, gee, we know what happened. My goodness. So, before I'm going to set this one up, this is Glenn Beck, all right, back in the day when he was before the blaze, post CNN, Fox News. And really, if Fox News had gone in the direction of what Beck ended up doing, because I, I was a huge critic and sometimes still am of Glenn Beck, right? A lot of people call it big con, whatever. Glenn, you know, Glenn Beck's given somebody like Alex Stein a voice. I like what Alex does. Oh, well, he's just shock humor. He brings attention to the issue, right? That's a, so say what you want about those people. I think that Glenn, especially when you look at DARPA and the nightmare we've been through the past several years, they're one of the best outlets out there, period. So. His first taste of this seemed to come from G. Edward Griffin and the creature from Jekyll Island. And because right now we're talking about bank implosions and a controlled implosion and a system of consolidation and CBDCs, we kind of have to understand how we got here through privatized fascism. So, so here is Beck kind of describing that model. The Federal Reserve Act wasn't drafted in Congress. 
It was drafted on a private island off the coast of Georgia in 1910. Here is the island, Jekyll Island. And it was uh, drafted under great secrecy. Jekyll Island was the retreat for billionaires like William Rockefeller and J.P. Morgan. And in 1910, Senator Nelson Aldrich, the Republican whip in the Senate and the chair of the National Monetary Commission, sent his private railroad car to the New Jersey Railroad Station, where he and five other men were instructed to come one at a time and everybody pretend they just didn't know each other. Aldrich, who is the guy, remember, he wrote the original bill. He was uh, a business associate of J.P. Morgan. Oh, and the father-in-law to John D. Rockefeller Jr. So there's no special interest happening there. There was also Abram Piot Andrew, Assistant Secretary of the Treasury, and Frank Vanderlip, uh, representing William Rockefeller, Henry Davidson and Benjamin Strong with J.P. Morgan, and Paul Warburg. Um, he is a partner, he was a partner at, um, at Kuhn, Loeb & Company. So let me pause it. You notice the name Rockefeller comes up a couple times. We've been talking about David Rockefeller in particular, little John D. over the week. That's why we're playing this clip. Number one, this information now has been semi-mainline, as you can see with Beck, uh, for over a decade, 15 years plus, okay? And G. Edward Griffin is a large part of that. He's, he's a treasure. I've got these G. Edward Griffin cl clips coming up, uh, probably on the flip side of the uh, paid portion of the broadcast, talking about how this is a cartel. Because it is a cartel. And, and the reason I'm playing this and, and Beck kind of coming along, again, Beck far from perfect. And boy, I was, oops. he needs to apologize about 9-11 truth, big time. And the war on terror, big time. And just like Tucker did. And he needs to start exploring that. And people need to start owning to the fact that that's when there was an acceleration of the continuity of government, shadow government, corruption quote-unquote, deep state and its control, the expansionism of things like signature reduction, homeland security. That's the reality. Some people point to the Smith-Munt Act. People like Cass Sunstein. Uh, the psychological information war gone wild. And look, the Federal Reserve System empowers that constantly. The Federal Reserve Act wasn't drafted in oh. Congress. It was drafted about that. on a private island off the coast. He was a partner at, um, at Kuhn, Loeb and Company. He was representing the Rothschild banking family. Oh, he's going to talk about the Rothschilds now. He actually is an interesting character. Um, if you ever saw Little Orphan Annie, Daddy Warbucks was named after Warburg. These are the men that represented one-fourth of the entire wealth of the world. You think we got a problem with uh, wealth now? Those guys, one-quarter of all of the money in the world. The Morgans, the Rockefellers, the Warburgs, the Rothschilds, all in one room. Yeah, but when do they start sacrificing chickens? Well, doesn't happen. That I'll tell you. Um, these guys were all competitors, according to uh, G. Edward Griffin, who we'll talk to in a minute. They all had come together to form a banking cartel so they didn't have to compete against each other. 
He says it was like an oil cartel or a sugar cartel, but this cartel actually went into partnership with the government. I mean, how great is that, huh? It's kind of like the drug cartels in Mexico. Wait, I didn't say that out loud, did I? So for more than a week, these men sat around there and they sat around this big table and they hammered out all the details of what became the Federal Reserve System with five objectives. How many of these do you agree with? One, to stop the uh, growing competition from the nation's newer banks. That doesn't sound good. Two, to obtain a franchise to create money out of nothing for the purpose of lending. That one really doesn't sound good either. Three, to get control of the reserves of all of the banks so the reckless ones wouldn't be exposed to currency drains or bank runs. Oh, that's the charity part. Golly gee, Beef, thank you so much. Then, to shift the losses from the bank owners to the taxpayers. It just gets better and better for you and me. That it. No. Again, the answer is no. So we're at the end of the hour. We're going to start leaving each uh, platform. I want you to come over to the uh, to the paid portion of the broadcast. And remember, we, we, we played the Beck clip because it's really a clip that is inspired by what? It's inspired by G. Edward Griffin. And it just shows you the basics of how corrupt the Federal Reserve System is in the first place and how that it is fiat and unsustainable and one of collusion and corruption. So on the flip of this, we're going to have some G. Edward, not with Glenn Beck. Don't worry, we're not going to have that interview. we got a couple of those. Uh, we're also going to have Andy Jacobson talk about Operation Paperclip and the Upside Down. So let's start going one at a time. Uh, Twitter, goodbye. YouTube, thumbs it up, subscribe, and share. Same thing with uh, the, the Rumble stuff. Let's share this with other people. Share the information. Let them know what's going on. Let them know about the broadcast Monday through, thir Monday through Thursday, 8 a.m. Eastern Time. Rockfin, I love, love, love you. Couldn't do it without out, out you. And uh, we're rumbling, but we're not rumbling much anymore. All right, we're just going to wait a minute, and we got it. We're good to go. We're on the flip. We're on the paid portion of the broadcast. Maybe you came over to the Info Warrior on the Podbean. But here is G. Edward Griffin talking about that cartel. Well, you asked the question in your book, The uh, Creature from Jekyll Island, what is the Federal Reserve, and what is your answer? Well, what it is, it's a cartel. It, it's not a government agency. It has the appearance of it being a government agency, and they went to great lengths to give it that, that facade. It does have the power of government because Congress voted to give the power of, of enforcement to it. But in its essence, underneath it, it's a cartel. It's nothing different than a banana cartel or an oil cartel or sugar cartel. It happens to be a banking cartel. They got together. They drew up the rules and regulations for their own industry, to self-regulate their own industry is what cartels do. And then they sent it to Congress and they took off the, the label at the top that said banking cartel and they erased that. And they said Federal Reserve Act. Congress passed it into law. And that's why we think it's a government agency is because if you don't obey the rules that they set down for their own industry, you go to prison. And so it looks like a government agency. But basically the answer to your question is it's a banking cartel. It's a banking cartel. Cartel. He's a treasure, isn't he, folks? 
He is, and and now we're gonna see an still kicking. We've played um, some extensive G. Edward Griffin here in the past at events that I've been lucky enough to also speak at. I mean, look, I, I, I love the fact that I'm on the Reawaken America tour and I share the stage with people like, you know, comedians I enjoy like Jim Brewer, his Chinese spy balloon piece. Boy, Brewer's killing it, man. He comes up with all sorts of original material all over doing like 30, 45 minutes over at the uh, Reawaken America tour. That stuff is fresh. Just put out an entire special. That stuff was fresh. Go Jim Brewer. But really back in the day, and, and we're now talking about a decade plus, I was speaking at events with guys like this, legendary on panels with guys like this. Very lucky guy, very blessed guy. So, so here he is. Um, and what I like about this one, he, he gives you a list, a rundown of just some of the most outward corruption of this whole thing. This is perhaps at the most fundamental level, the most important thing we need to know about the Federal Reserve System, which is that it is a, an appearance of the fourth kind, something which is not and yet appears to be. When I did my research on this topic, I came to the conclusion, which may startle you folks here, that the Federal Reserve System does not need to be audited. It needs to be abolished. <laughs> and the reason I say that is because I'm sure that if they audited the Federal Reserve System, they would find out that it's doing exactly what it's supposed to do. There's no secret there. There's no shenanigan going on behind the scenes. It's all out in the open. If we'll just study the Federal Reserve System on the basis of what we know already, if we'll read their literature, if we'll dig into the history, we find out that it's one of the greatest scams of all history. Out on the surface, it doesn't need an audit. An audit, I'm sure, would merely delay the process for a couple of years, give the American people the false impression that something is being done about this problem. And at the end of two years, they'd say, well, the books are clean. <laughs> I came to the conclusion that the Federal Reserve needed to be abolished for seven reasons, actually. And I'd like to read them for you now. I've stated them in rather concise terms. Hopefully they'll have some shock value so you can remember them. And here they are. First of all, it is incapable of accomplishing its stated objectives. Two, it is a cartel operating against the public interest. Three, it is the supreme instrument of usury. Four, it generates our most unfair tax. Five, it encourages war. Six, it destabilizes the economy. And seven, it is an instrument of totalitarianism. Which it is. It is an instrument of totalitarianism. Not of freedom, not of democracy, not of a constitutional republic with accountability, not of a system that is based in something of value, but just what? Authoritarianism, totalitarianism, which is collectivism. Okay. And that's another big thing that I learned from G.E.D. was that no matter what 
you, you call communism or socialism or all these isms, at the end of the day, the vast majority of them, these systems are about what? Collectivism. Collectivism. So how do we get here? Well, when you look at a national socialist movement, okay, and a Nazi ideology, it did not die after World War II. It went somewhat underground because the United States in many ways was just slicker about hiding what they had done. And when you look at the privatized companies that were working with the Nazis and the U.S. banking system at the time, Brown Brothers Harriman in particular, you look at Dow Chemical and these other institutions, you find out, oh, okay, this whole eugenics thing, it's the real deal. There's people that believe in it. Big time. Big time. Unzip jeans. So here's uh, Annie Jacobson. And, and believe me, this is short. I wonder how far uh, my man Ray Dietrich of Red Voice Media is with his book. Um, um, what's he got? He's got uh, Area 51. But Area 51 is really a precursor to this one. So take it away, Annie. For clip, and then I welcome your questions. One of the things that people often ask me is, why would I write about such a subject? Um, Operation Paperclip was a classified military program. It had a public face. So the idea was that you couldn't very well have 1,600 Germans running around the United States in various military facilities or uh, ultimately in academic institutions and not have an explanation why. And so with the German scientists came uh, a propaganda campaign to call them good scientists. That may be the case. There were 1,600 of them. That may certainly be the case with some of them. And I've actually had people at every one of my book readings so far uh, who had a father or an uncle that was part of Paperclip. But what I will tell you is the men that I focused on um, had very dark past. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about that. So how did I report the story? I was originally working on this book, my first book, Area 51, when I came across these two aircraft designers. And they were the Horton brothers. They designed this aircraft, the Horton All-Wing 5. And you can see it looks remarkably like the B-2 stealth bomber. And when I first saw those two images next to one another, I suddenly realized without very much more explanation how much technology we in fact got from the Reich. And I wanted to know more. What I learned was that the, while the Horton brothers were overlooked for paperclip, their boss was not. This is their boss. This is Colonel Siegfried Knaemeyer. He was one of the Reich's top 10 pilots, and he flew on spy missions. This photograph here is Knaemeyer about to fly over Norway to choose bombing targets. And Knaemeyer, you see that's his paperclip photo there. And when I learned Knaemeyer came to the United States, I wondered how you could go from having Hermann Goring as your boss, as he was. Now keep in mind, Goring was in charge of the German Air Force, the Luftwaffe. Knaemeyer was so important to Goring that in documents he refers to him as my boy. So the question for me in my mind was how do you have 
this as your boss and then suddenly have the Pentagon as your boss. I learned that when Knaemeyer retired from the US Air Force in the mid 70s, he was given the Department of Defense Distinguished Civilian Service Award. And that is the highest award that a scientist can get from the Defense Department. And I wanted to know how this could be. I tracked down one of Knaemeyer's grandchildren who courageously agreed to share the story of his grandfather with me, including a box of papers that he had in the attic. And one of the most interesting things that Dirk Knaemeyer said to me and made me know that I wanted to write this story to research and report it was he said, Annie, many of my family members say, do not speak about Siegfried's past. But he, being my age, said, you know, a Google search very quickly reveals that Knaemeyer was Goring's right-hand man. And he said he would rather know the truth about his grandfather than not know it. And so that was one example of an, a seed planted that I knew there is more to be learned about Operation Paperclip. Well, it really just shows you the dynamics of the military industrial complex, right? I mean, how far off was the Nazi ideology of eugenics and technology that was being erected in this compartmentalization model, really the Manhattan Project model, right? And because it couldn't be done any other way. Those the underground bases that the Allied forces found, the technologies that they found, the Horton brothers being one public example. You got to understand, it's not just the United States that adopted that; the Soviet Union adopted that. Like Stalin and the U.S. carved up a lot of it. Most of the, we talk about Nuremberg all the time. Barely any Nazis were really tried at Nuremberg. Many were worked through this system of paperclip that you're seeing. And yes, many also escaped to South America. That's just a fact, Jack. I'm going to take you back briefly to the fall of 1944. This is Germany there in dark blue. And of course, the Allies have landed at Normandy. Normandy. They're going at Germany this way. The Soviets are coming this way. And immersed inside the army soldiers are a group of scientists led by a particle physicist named Samuel Goodsmith. And that operation was sort of the precursor to Paperclip. It was called Operation Alsace. Samuel Goodsmith and his team have one mission. That is to find out about what was known as ABC weapons, atomic, biological, and chemical. They find out very quickly that Hitler's atomic program is not what that we had feared. That was lucky for us, but as Hitler told his uh, war and weapons minister, Albert Speer, nuclear science is Jewish science. This is what Hitler said, and therefore that atomic program had not progressed the same way that the biological and chemical weapons had. So let's talk about that. Biological chemical warfare uh, in some ways had already been utilized pre-World War II globally. But the Nazis progressed with their biological and chemical uh, programs la largely in part, just like the Japanese. The Japanese and their system 
uh, pre-world, I think it's a unit um, something a one, man. I have any uh, unit. We're, we're gonna we're gonna do it live. That's what we do here in uh, the post-truth world. Yep, we're doing it live. A unit seven oh one, unit Japan biological unit seven thirty one. Unit 731, just, I mean, founded in 1935, all right? And, and just just like I don't, I, I don't like the fear-mongering around China and the COVID-1984 virus and Wuhan, that's why we're going to do these Fort Detrick um, videos as well, letting everybody know that, hey, biological warfare, big in the U.S., very quickly, Samuel Gutsmith in a small in a small apartment in Strasbourg, France, learns about this man, Dr. Kurt Blum, the Deputy Surgeon General of the Reich. And he also learns about this man, Dr. Walter Schreiber, the Surgeon General of the Third Reich. What Gutsmith finds, and these papers that I looked at were remarkable because they're just a sort of seemingly benign correspondence between scientists. The apartment belonged to a, a doctor named Dr. Eugen Hagen, once a temperate man, worked in the United States on a Rockefeller Foundation scholarship. Oh, the old guy. It always seems to come back to those Rockefellers. Boy, they, they seem to have a lot of influence, don't they? Weird. Weird. And Hagen was writing to Himmler and saying, of the hundred prisoners you sent me, a group of them died in transport. Please send more. And this is a terrifying moment for Operation Alsace because they realize that the Reich is experimenting on humans from the concentration camps to push medical science in a manner that cannot be pushed if you're experimenting on rabbits and guinea pigs. So Dr. Blum and Dr. Schreiber are now on the top of the target list for Operation Alsace and ultimately paperclip. And ultimately paperclip. So here I want to play uh, an old reel about Fort Detrick and, you know, basically how it was portrayed via the military at the time. And then I'm going to play a USA Today piece, I believe from about seven years ago. Um, talking about how, you know, obviously Fort Dietrich, best thing since breakfast. Not very far from Edgewood in historic Frederick, Maryland, are the biological warfare laboratories. Here, men and women of science are doing basically the same type of work as in other government, university, and industrial laboratories. A combination of medical and public health research. While I was at Fort Dietrich, I was able to follow partway through an experiment to determine the effectiveness of an agent. You gotta love it. Like, the, like they're showing you human experimentation right here. And it's the comforting music. Here we go. La, 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 la. Da, 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 da. Volunteers are important to the testing picture. For many years, information has been needed on the effect of a biological warfare attack on man. 
so that we can have a better understanding of how to defend ourselves against it. The volunteers were a picked group. They had received psychiatric interviews to determine their maturity and reliability, as well as mental outlook. Oh, that's so good. I mean, look at that. It looks A-OK -okay to me. Medical histories and laboratory checks on the volunteers had been extremely stringent. Any history of a chronic disease, any allergic reaction or nervous disorder was a cause for rejection. Volunteers were given the opportunity to drop out and drop out and then drop out at any out at any time. Drop out at any time. Drop out at any time. We got only the finest of specimens. No problems, no diseases. Let's see what we can do to them. Oh boy. I was to watch the progress of the experiment from the control room. Dancey dance. Volunteers have been positioned in cubicles on the outside of the test sphere, a hollow steel ball 40 feet in diameter, in which a cloud of biological warfare agent can be generated. Through a series of controllable valves and a face mask, it was possible to expose a person in each cubicle to a measured volume of biological aerosol from the sphere. I said before I was able to follow part way through the experiment, the final part. As was expected, the volunteers were temporarily incapacitated, but within a short time they were up and around, completely recovered. Hey, they're playing the piano. It's okay that we just, I mean, when you're dumping biological warfare agents on your own healthy soldiers, you got to make sure that they're playing the piano and having a good old time afterwards. <laughs> to some soothing music. They had the satisfaction of having played an important part in obtaining information, which would immediately be given to the public health service to bolster our defenses against disease. Research has led to many scientific findings beneficial to mankind, such as a perfected vaccine for controlling industrial anthrax. And now think about that. A vaccine for industrial anthrax hey wait a minute that anthrax attack from 20 or 2001 which is 20 plus years ago they first tried to blame it on terrorists the note said death to america death to israel reference 9 11 they made it out to be a big thing journalists and politicians were targeted oh that's right they found out it came from fort detrick that it was micronized huh old Bruce Ivan's story. Huh. That's just just weird. But but you're telling me all the way back in the day they were trying to find vaccines for it. And it was so weird that they didn't need a vaccine to treat people um, preemptively. 
for the uh, anthrax that was industrial strength. They, they had this thing called Cipro. Remember that, Cipro? And Ari Fleischer, who was the press secretary at the time, admitted that he and the administration were on Cipro prior to the 9-11 attacks. Weird. So weird. Usually fatal disease of cattle and sheep. Still another accomplishment, protective devices for the safe handling of disease-causing microorganisms and their harmful products. Just a few of the many byproducts of biological warfare research. We love bio-warfare research. We love Fort Detrick. So, you know, here's an actual piece of uh, journalism. I believe it's called Biolabs in Our Backyards. Okay, Corey, you got to stay. Back in 59 and 60, uh, a group of mostly Quakers, it wasn't a Quaker organization per se, but it was mostly Quakers gathered, they created something called the Vigil. And it was a 24-hour vigil at Fort Detrick to draw attention, the world's attention, to the fact that that fort was now doing this research into germ warfare, as they called it. The, the question became for the people in the larger community, the, the, the Frederick County community, was why the, can't we do this type of research for those who thought the research needed to be done? Why can't it be done somewhere else? Why do you want to add this type of research in a community? As far as I'm concerned, bio level, bio level three and four labs, which deal basically with the uncurable type research on incurable type diseases by and large should not be in a metro in a metropolitan area, residential area time is distance if something leaks out of one of these labs time is distance and if the rate of dispersion can make it harmless or can make it very dangerous now a lot of these stuff aren't going to survive in the atmosphere but that's not the point remember accidents are things that don't happen you say well that can't happen well that's that's not true and, and accidents are things that happen that you think can happen fortunately and I've said, and I sleep with this still to this day, the winds blow from my house to Fort Detrick. Now, isn't, I, I think to myself, I'm lucky it's blowing in that direction most of the time, but it really seems like I shouldn't have to be involved in that kind of luck to be able to, to able to enjoy the, uh, the my very nice lifestyle here in Thank you for joining us today. And if she hasn't already, she wanted to give all of the aldermen. We do have one committee that is seen as a citizen committee that has some reason for the different agencies at Fort Detrick. And there's a whole lot of agencies that are now involved in this kind of work and the community. This committee is supposed to be a way in which those two can talk and help people like myself and many others uh, have a more secure feeling about what Fort Detroit is doing and specifically that our safety is on their minds as they work. I'm Beth Willis uh, and I'm chair of the Containment Laboratory Community Advisory Committee and this is David Kay who is uh, the vice chair. Our mission is to serve as an interface between the laboratories and the public. So 
you know, just to put it in context, Frederick is the national headquarters for biodefense research. And we started pre-anthrax letters with one small laboratory. And now we have the largest um, campus of um, high containment biodefense laboratories um, in the nation, if not the world. Think about that. Right here in a neighborhood. That That's how brazen these people are. And again, I, I don't buy into the leak stuff. Well, one of the things that I think is of interest that was said earlier is that most of this stuff won't survive in the atmosphere. It's in a controlled environment. And the nature of what? Flu viruses, coronaviruses, et cetera, cold viruses, is as they mutate, they dissipate. In other words, they're, they're not as strong. They don't mutate stronger. But that, that was the fear-mongering. That was the Johnny-nonsense cell, right? It's the one that we're still under as, as the Fauchinator goes through D.C. and just gets owned by the public. God, that video is still making me smile from yesterday. But let, let's continue. Again, and, and this is why we can't just be talking about Wuhan, everybody. Got to be talking about Fort Detrick. Got to be talking about Chapel Hill. Got to be talking about these labs globally. The concern is what if something goes wrong? Our scope of work includes all of the large federal labs located at Port Detrick. But it also, I mean, Frederick is, is a booming biotech community. And it's an important, very important industry to Frederick. Our, our scope includes any biosafety level three labs. Now, these are labs that would work with things potentially like anthrax or plague, things that um, are not considered bioweapons pathogens, but certainly could cause a public health problem if not properly handled. Uh, we think having employment and the stability of that employment is very good for our community. There certainly have also been uh, some concerns from some people about public health and safety risks. I think if you look around the country, you see some of these high containment labs in university settings and in other settings. And I think one of the advantages of having this work done at Fort Detrick is you have a much more secure environment. And um, because you have multiple layers of security in terms of access and control, and it is a public body, that does have a public relationship with the community. So is it perfect? No. Is it something we work on? Yes. It is very important to know lots about how robust the procedures of the safety programs are. But what people are really interested in is how well it's working. We all assume they've got great equipment and terrific procedures. but. The committee has therefore, and certainly because of the kinds of questions we've gotten from the community, taken a position that we would like to see fact-based evidence of safe operations. <clears throat> You're never going to get the fact-based evidence because again and again and again, in order to fail upwards, you have to make it look like it's a failure. All right that it's human error and then a cover-up. 
How many people have I interviewed about the COVID-1984 nightmare that just won't go into the it was seated theory? And I'm going to take you to where the evidence really is. It was in the United States in October, November, maybe even September of 2019. That means in and around the time of the event 201 open exercise plan that was an outline, a baseline for exactly how these institutions acted. Okay? So, look, does human error exist? You bet. And, but but think about it. Wet markets in Wuhan. Uh, the, the biosafety labs in, in, in uh, China are not as safe as they are in the United States. There's no evidence of that. There's no way you could actually know. Right. So they don't want, you know, a proof based reality because that takes away their plausible deniability for what they really want, which is eugenics, depopulation and transhumanism. That's the real end game of what? Their fourth industrial revolution to bring us into a quote unquote virtual era. Because our committee does not feel it is appropriate for us to stand there and say, we've toured the labs, let me assure you it's safe. That's as condescending as anything we've heard from others. And we're not going to do that. I feel strongly that, uh, that when it comes to health and safety, particularly federal programs are accountable to the communities in which they have arrived without being invited by the public. I'm not saying there's not tremendous economic benefit, Etc. But we didn't get to vote on this. I mean, what what have we been able to vote on in the last several years due to the biomedical techno fascist nightmare? Zippity zilch. We had Andrew Smith on earlier talking about the situation in East Palestine expanding to other parts of Ohio. Again, who voted on this? Who's accountable for this? Nobody. When you start getting the Defense Department involved, they we'll just we'll show you video reels of people happily taking biological agents and then playing the piano with some some really soothing music. That's the accountability sauce. It feels like the decisions are out of of our control. I I. I I've been writing letters and, uh, and uh, pushing for and I, I, with our with our local people and also my state my, uh, United States senators and representatives. We need a single source place to report all the United States for all all levels of bio lab. But if you have one standard on how labs are run, how people report, from the whole nine yards down, I think people would feel safer and 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 you'd get you'd get a lot more. I think you get a lot more research done because people would have would have confidence that, and they wouldn't mind uh, spending the money and uh, and uh, to apply to this research because they would they would feel that it was being being regulated and that they would have a say in it through their through their elected officials. Again, I think that these are in many in many ways delusions of grandeur, because at the end of the day, technology has been suppressed from the general public. All right, when we're talking about everything major, whether that's 
bioweapon systems or alternate forms of power. You know, they always talk about sustainability, but they would hate to have an actual solution of clean, sustainable, cheap, or free energy because that empowers people. Their solution is to get rid of people, to control people, to mutate the very species of humanity. So they don't want another solution at all. I, I think the people of Frederick could handle more information about where the dangers lie. I don't know where the line should be drawn, but at this point, not having any information about where the dangers lie is only going to continue this suspicion and make Fort Detrick a, not a part of the community, but feel like a, an alien force within the community. That's what it should feel like, because that's what it is. It's really an, al uh, an alien force for the species of humanity because it's a bioweapons laboratory. It's a bioweapons laboratory. Um, so here, uh, I believe this is uh, Dr. Coleman of the Committee of 300, re really uh, laying down some human experimentation and, and, and virus sustainability. And I managed to work my way. I was told the Americans were doing the CAB experiment. I managed to work my way to within striking distance of a small mission station. And what I discovered was that these blacks were coming in from the bush to this mission station with broken arms or an ulcer on the leg or something like that. And they were ostensibly being treated there, but they were dead by the evening. What was actually going on was that the laboratory had been set up using Lassa fever virus. Now, at that time, Lassa fever was the one was one of four viruses that could jump the human-animal barrier. So, what, what you're looking at here is what biomedical experimentation on a population without their knowledge. What is essentially euthanasia. And it was a deadly virus. They were trying to create a virus that could be mass produced and it could be sent out through the World Health Organization to get rid of millions of people in the world. Did you, did you just hear what he said out of his own mouth? Let's bring it back. Because I'm not saying this. Okay? Just bring it on back. Set up using Lassa fever virus. Now, at that time, Lassa fever was the one was one of four viruses that could jump the human-animal barrier. And it was a deadly virus. They were trying to create a virus that could be mass-produced and it could be sent out through the World Health Organization to get rid of millions of people in the world. But the Lassa fever virus proved uncontrollable. It killed three scientists who were working there. So the orders came from Washington, burned the place to the ground, and that's exactly what they did within a radius of 100 miles. They bottled up some of these viruses they'd been experimenting with and took them back to the Centers for Disease Control in Atlanta. I mean, this guy's bringing the receipts. He's telling you, scientists died. Oh, they got infected. It was too out of control. And, and that's the thing. Yeah, they want to kill a bunch of people, but those that run the programs at the top, at the tibbity top, they know there have to be treatments because they don't want to die. They want you dead. 
All right. And the predator class at the top specifically wants to use your biology to try to create a system where their biology can carry on forever and trick you into merging with machines and an idea that you can upload your consciousness to some kind of digital device. It's ridiculous. There they began again, but again they escaped and killed three more scientists. So they incinerated the whole laboratory, sealed it off and incinerated. The same experiments are now going on in Harvard University right now, but they're not using the Lassa fever virus. That has proved to be too tough for them to handle. Instead, the United States government gave millions of dollars to the United States military chemical and bacteriological warfare establishment at Fort Detrick. And they began experimenting with the AIDS virus. I knew about the AIDS three years before the word ever came out in the world, in the United States particularly, because of my field work in Sierra Leone. So, so once again, the questions about Fort Detrick, biological warfare, HIV, AIDS being a bio. No, Bill Gates told me it's zoonotic. It jumped from chimpanzees. Everybody believes that. The science is settled. Trust the science. The science is settled. Trust the science. The science is settled. You're in a different story right now, aren't we? The British government used their Porton Down CAB facility. It's easier to get into the Bank of England boss than to get into Porton Down. All the deadliest viruses in the world are being crafted there. In pursuance of the goal of Global 2000 to decimate the world, shortly after this experiment had finished at Fort Detrick, the World Health Organization started a massive vaccination campaign. They said, for once and for all, we're going to wipe out the scourge of smallpox. They chose Africa and Brazil, launched a massive vaccination campaign. Immediately, AIDS began to appear. Thousands and thousands of people began dying of the strange new virus, which the World Health Organization then said had come from the bite of a green monkey. They forgot to tell you the green monkey's been there for centuries and he'd been biting people if he ever did for centuries, but no disease of that nature had ever occurred. And notice, what, what is AIDS? It's an autoimmune disorder. What are we seeing? Not only with these shots, but with others. The HPV shot in particular, autoimmune disorders. That's what lupus is. What did you see with uh, Fort Detrick? and the weaponization of ticks and Plum Island and Lyme disease, autoimmune disorders. What did you see with these mass vaccination campaigns he's talking about? Autoimmune disorders. We want to take out your immune system so you can't live. The World Health Organization deliberately took this virus, which was crafted from a series of animal viruses, including Mediavisna sheep, which destroys the brain, which is why you find AIDS patients get dementia probably first before any of the other AIDS-related complex diseases appear. And they began vaccinating innocent people 
on a massive scale, and they began dying like flies. Why Africa and why Brazil? Because those two countries had the biggest black population in the world. And I want to tell the black people of the United States of America, do not trust the Democrat Party. Do not trust government. Do not believe that government is your friend. To you, they, to them, you are dispensable the same way as we are. Millions of people died. I went through Uganda on an inspection tour and I saw whole areas decimated where previously there had been small towns and villages. There was not a living soul in sight. And that is going on today. The AIDS epidemic is completely out of hand. It swept the world. It's been swept under the carpet in the United States of America. We were told that this is a disease which is passed by homosexuals. True enough, but that's not the primary cause of it. This is a crafted virus that was spread throughout the world to decimate the population. And the question is, how much farther did they go with the COVID-1984 nightmare? Well, I mean, I think that if you're paying attention, you kind of know that answer. <sighs> to kind of wrap up the upside down, I do want to remind people that right now, You've got these trials going on via January 6th in D.C. It really does seem like the establishment wants another January 6th. They want to paint Trump supporters up like white supremacists, like bigots, like people who are no longer citizens, like what domestic terrorists. And I don't throw that term around. I don't throw that the domestic. I don't. I don't throw it on Antifa or any of the others. If you're a United States citizen, you got to do a whole lot in my eyes, a whole lot in my eyes, uh, to be considered a quote-unquote domestic terrorist. The real domestic terrorists are inside the military-industrial complex. The real domestic terrorists are the ones that set up the war games for the stand-down on 9-11. The real domestic terrorists are the ones that use those war games to ship out good people in the FBI and the NSA and the CIA to locations where they couldn't investigate. You understand? Those are the true domestic terrorists. The true domestic terrorists are people like Robert Mueller, who facilitated the 9-11 lie, who facilitated the Russia, Russia, Russia hoax. Those are the real, that's a real domestic terrorist. It's not some dupe in a black mask eating vegan soda. Yeah, he eats vegan soda, he spoons it out. That's how ridiculous things have gotten. All right? So we, we've got to be able to identify the enemy. And it's funny. So last night I was in my Dropbox uploading something for a buddy and I came across my mini documentary on uh, Nicholas Cruz and Code Red, Parkland Code Red. And I, wa I wanted to rewatch it because, you know, recently, listen, I've never said that Cruz was innocent. I've always asked the question, as to was there something else going on other than just what Nicholas Cruz did? Was there a second person? We had eyewitnesses that saw somebody in a face mask that, that seemed extremely reliable. And you had death on the third floor when the initial reports had said that nobody died on the third floor. And uh, coincidentally, this is where the, um, the this masked person was. 
and they've played video of Nicholas Cruz executing people inside. He's not wearing a mask. He's got a ball cap on. It's a question I think that's still worth asking. Very, very much so. Now, yeah, I, I feel like a few of the stand down uh, answers have now been given uh, via these trials and want more information. But it was five years ago I made that short documentary. And I may do a new intro to it where I kind of explain it. But possibly by the weekend, I might be posting that over at Rockfin and at Rumble. It was taken down on YouTube. So, uh, yeah, it's a violation. And you got to ask yourself, if you watch this documentary, why it would be taken down on YouTube. There's nothing in there that's not 100% documented. Like, Cruz should have never had been able to get weapons. They, they wouldn't even let him bring a backpack to school, apparently. I mean, you, you need to, they're, all the warning signs were there. He was all meted up on top of it. Like, after the shooting, he, you know, from the videotape, looks like he takes his stuff off by the third floor staircase and then just mixes amongst all the students. So I thought it was something worth mentioning, something to talk about at the end. I, I'm always pleased when I find stuff that is no longer like it, it was on my BitChute channel. And uh, no longer can you even find it on the BitChute channel. I, I've had some requests for the movie. Uh, I'm thinking I'm probably going to put it out there. It's a little bit under 30 minutes long. Uh, but, you know, it's one of those long form type reports. Maybe we're going to re return to uh, Ray has been in the documentary game for a while now. Obviously, if I was to do something documentary style, it would probably be on transhumanism at this point, right? It, it would definitely go along those lines. And I, I'd want to get some original content, maybe some interviews with people who I respect on the subject and uh, then throw that in. Maybe that's a future project. Who knows? I can tell you what, though. I'm loving doing this morning show, 8 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Eastern, Monday through Thursday. I could not do it without you guys. I do want to remind everybody over on the premium side that I am a documentary filmmaker and that all, all, all of my films are free. If you haven't watched Loose Change, Final Cut, Fable Enemies, Invisible Empire, A New World Order, Find and Change the Motion Picture, do so today. Share them with your friends and family. We will see you bright and early tomorrow, 8 a.m. Wednesday. I absolutely love you guys. It's not about left or right. It's always about right and wrong. Let's flip the inversion. Let's get out of the upside-down reality, and let's challenge the great narrative and the post-truth world every single day by becoming the great resistance to the very real Great Reset agenda. I love you guys. I'll see you on the flip.